forget everything that you think you know about comics. Some say the battle of good versus evil is never ending because evil always survives. Some say that there are two types of people in this world, those who drink beer and those who enjoy a good comic. Well, damn it, we are the bridge. And to that we say cheers. We are your guardians, your watchful protectors from everything mundane. Because in the real world, you either die a hero or you drink long enough to see yourself become the villain. There's a war going on out there. How can you be sure you're on the right side? The ageless debate of what's right and wrong brought to your headphones with the simplest of solutions. With great beer comes great responsibility. And we accept that responsibility. For in brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape our sight. We are hop heroes, bringing the relevance of great beer and comic book stories to light. Hello to all you hopheads out there. It, is hopheads really what we should be calling you guys? I mean, I guess it works. If you're listening to this, you're, you're probably hopped up on something. Well, anyways, I uh, just wanted to check in. It's your host, Jordan, just letting you know. This episode is about The Expanse, the, uh, the sci-fi, now Amazon series. And we went into this episode with the intention of talking all four seasons of the show. And about an hour in, we realized we had barely gotten through the first season. So it starts off ambitious and uh, ends up being just the first season. We will have a uh, second, third, and fourth part coming your way. Um, but this one is going to be just season one. So uh, if you have anybody to blame, blame Zach because just it's Zach. Um, but this is a very fun episode. We had a lot of fun recording it and obviously watching the show and catching up. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Without further ado. Here we go. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hop Heroes, a show where we talk about our favorite drinks and our favorite heroes. I'm your host, Jordan Arith, and with me as always, we have talented artist and comic enthusiast, J.R. Gonzalez. Sup, Jay? What's up, baby? How you living, son? I'm living good, happy. Ecstatic. Good and happy? Ecstatic? Yeah. Ecstatic. What? Uh, I'm trying to think of great uh, adjectives. Um, Wonderful. <laughs> Exuberant. 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 Okay. Yeah. God, we got the, the happy vocab flying today. I love it. The energy <laughs> is high. The optimism is right there with it. Okay. And we got our third host, our exuberant host, Zach Barlow. How you living, kid? <coughs> uh, he's barely living. I'm good. Oh, no. <laughs> but it is some wild shit here in Seattle, bro. The coronavirus is a big deal right now, and it's really weird. I don't know if you guys... You're in Alaska, Jordan, so I don't know if you've experienced the same way, but um, basically the first recorded U.S. deaths have both happened in King County, which yes. is literally the county I live in, <laughs> and it's weird, man. I mean, I work for Microsoft and Adobe right now, and I've been working on this like huge global conference, and it just got canceled today. Like my, Our CEO sent this like company-wide email talking about it. Schools are closing, dude. Like yeah. Stores are running out of toilet paper, bro. Like Costco is a... God dang madhouse, dog. It's just strange times. It like is. Today I asked Mark if he wanted to go to the gym, and he said no because of coronavirus. Mark's just He's... lazy as fuck. <laughs> which is, which is yeah, that. as I'm saying it out loud, I'm thinking, well, I mean, he usually does find a reason to say no, but today <laughs> it was because of coronavirus, which which seems to be significant. He's going to hold on to that excuse for years. Dude, it's, it's 2030. The fucking virus is extinct, bro. <laughs> no, not, not risking it. <laughs> 
Not risking it. Not risking it. No, yeah, it's crazy, man. I mean, I heard that there was a couple deaths at Evergreen and Kirkland, and uh, we actually, before that, we had a, I work at the Anchorage Airport up here, and we had a flight landing from Asia, and it was uh, to a specific terminal because there it was like a corona, like, isolated area. So there was, like, people with hazmat suits and, like, ventilation tents and everything just to, like, make sure that they would, didn't spread out into the terminals. And it, I mean, yeah. being in the, working in the transportation industry with all the international travel that comes to Alaska in the summertime, it's definitely a big, big impact. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. I feel safe because I'm not old and, and f- nimble and feeble, but yeah. I, I, could be my ego talking. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the, the flu, it's like pneumonia. You know, you kind of, if, you, if you're unable to handle pneumonia, then you're probably unable to handle it affects corona. the lungs it's what I'm, I'm told like the most so if you have like asthma or yeah you're right like if you're not as healthy as you should be or you're older that's where the virus comes into effect but it is a virus just like it is a strain you know a strain from what i understand yeah. and i would you I think, call it a proto molecule i does it become sentient at some point i possibly <laughs> bro we don't know yet yeah it's, <laughs> i know right maybe dog maybe <laughs> oh man Goosebumps. It's freaking civil war <laughs> dominations coming. Uh, the reason that we're talking proto-modicules is because today we are talking, finally, The Expanse, uh, the sci-fi series, former, formerly on Sci-Fi Channel, now on Amazon. And uh, Zach's been pushing this one since Nam, and we've just uh, <laughs> casually been pushing it back because something would always come up. Per use. It wasn't because use. we didn't want to... <laughs> It's not per use. We didn't want to. Bro, I have these. I have these beast ideas, and it's just like, oh yeah, dude, let's do that next year. Like, all right, that does happen quite a bit. Well, the it's just that Zach's ideas are like, I feel like they just come out of nowhere, and like, oh yeah, let's do this, and they're not always the most relevant topics. <laughs> so it's like we got to find the right time and place. And with the expanse, we had to watch four fucking seasons of it. And yeah, I, my, there, me personally, there was a lot. I got through three, and Jr. You, yeah. you powered through and got through the fourth. But it was yeah. a lot of catching up because he had already seen it. But very glad we did, and we're finally here to talk about it. So without further ado, Jr., how about you go into story time about the Expanse? All right, Expanse. So this is a very, very epic story that we came into. Um, we knew it was going to be a haul, so that's why it took us a little bit to to get through um and we only did like one aspect of this because there are books from this that were created by james s.a Corey, um starting with the first book in um 2011 and starting with uh levit i think it's called the levitavian um let me see here it's called the levitavian Wrath, is that right? It's, it's one of the. It's actually an episode named after it. Um, and hmm, that's the first book. That's the first book, and hmm. it's inspired me. I love sci-fi. Is it books. Leviathan or Levitavian? L- Levitavian wakes. Levitavian wakes. L e v i a t h a n wakes. That's Leviathan, Leviathan. bro. Leviathan. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Why don't you help me out, bro? Brother, brother, why don't you help me out, brother? I've Yo, never brada. heard this word before, bro. I can't it's even. Cool, bro. Levitavian is way better. That's what I like it better. Lefia. Le- Jr. has his own vocab, wakes. anyways. I do. I don't. I don't read very well. Well, actually, I read very well. I just don't like sounding <laughs> yeah. out words very well. Um, 
<laughs> Good thing you're a storyteller. I know. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I'm, I'm going to have issues with words through this whole entire thing because it have very uh, not easy to read words, as I would say. No, but, that's sci-fi for you. And there's a lot of weird-ass There is. I had to, stuff. like, practice like the Rasa Rasa Ross, I can't even say it now. Rossinante. Rossinante. It's the Rossi, like, dude. It's too much. I, well, the Rossi, bro. The Rossi. I had to practice all these things, but um, back to kind of the story. The this sort of this the story takes in the twenty uh, third century of human race, and there's three ra- there's three types of I say humans, right? There's the uh, the Earth people. There's the the earthers, the earthers. There's the belters, and then there's the Martians. Um, yep. And at this point, there is uh, a lot of, um, as you would think, political situations going on here in mm-hmm. this scenario because now you've got three dynamic human races kind of pinned against each other, um, and you've got yeah the the United Nations, which is controlling Earth. And then you got the OPA, which is helping um, the the Belters, which is uh, – what does the OPA stand for, Jordan? You down with OPA? Um, I have no fucking clue what the OPA stands for. The Outer Planet Alliance, and it's basically the military for the Belters. And it and the Belters seem to be more on the, like, what, lower class compared to – Is the, it the military yeah. for the Belters? I OPA was kind of like so, the, the me- riot – people like the fucking uh, the it's kind of their militia the group let, let, let me jump let me jump in let me jump in there so there there's like this dynamic that's set in place and jr you did a good job kind of laying that out the martians the earthers and the belters the earthers essentially are what you would expect they stayed on earth right but then there was a a group of earthers that traveled to mars and terraformed mars and they were very very poor but then they came up with something i think it's called a fission a fission drive or a fusion drive which allowed essentially make made it so the martians were the most technologically advanced so the martians are kind of the bougie rich ones and the earthers are powerful because they have numbers so the belters are essentially what you could call slaves because what happened is Mars needs resources and so does Earth because they're both running out of resources and the asteroid belts within the solar system are very resource heavy. One of the things that you find the the belters mining often is ice for water. I mean, both of these societies need that. So they sent people to live in the asteroid belts to essentially gather resources for the wealthier nations in Mars and Earth and sell sell them the resources. So they're very, very poor and they have a very different lifestyle than martians and earthers because there's not a lot of gravity in the belt essentially if you if you're a rich belter then you live in a space station with artificial gravity and then you end up looking like a regular human if you're a very poor belter then your gravity is not as quality and not as consistent and so you end up becoming what's called a long bone who is essentially a person that's like super tall and like hella lanky and can't fuck with gravity really i mean it's a whole story but yeah anyway that's like one of the kind of big key differences between the three martians strength is in their technology earther's strength is in their numbers and the belter's strength well 
they don't really have any strength. The OPA they is not necessary. Don't they? Uh, not compared to Earth or, or Mars. Yeah, they don't I mean, have maybe either. compared to no, Mars. No but... technology or they're, yeah. they're not. Um... They have grit. Yeah. They yeah, definitely have chip on their shoulder. They're gritty, bro. The, yeah. the other thing about um, the OPA is that the OPA is uh, not necessarily a military organization. Um, they're more just like um, a the group of. They're rep. They're well. It's they're more not like even a militia. They're, they're just aren't they more like they're a, a militia? Yeah. It's like imagine um, like the Minutemen, right? Like they're like there's nobody really in charge of the OPA. That's that's to start off with. There's Tough. a bunch of different factions that have come together and have essentially kind of said, okay, it's in our best interest to represent the belt because if we don't, then nobody will. And so some people would look at the OPA and say, oh, these guys are freedom fighters. Some people would look at the OPA and say, these guys are fucking terrorists. And it just depends on who you look at. But they're not recognized as, like, Earth has a military that, like, no matter who you are, you'd say, oh, that's Earth's military. Same with Mars. The OPA is not that quite. Do you no. Does, does that make they're sense? not that structured. Yeah, not in this, yeah. not in this, this uh, season. This season, they're no. they're definitely more, they're definitely more like you're saying, more of a a, a rioting terrorist kind of. They do things behind do- closed doors, kind of scenario. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and if I have, if you guys think of something where I say something that doesn't make sense because of the fourth season, like puts it together, then just let me know because I I'm speaking with three seasons of knowledge here, and you guys. Well, you're definitely missing that part was pointed out right there okay. <laughs> exactly i'm just saying if there's more to come up let me know and i'll retract yeah and so one other thing that about what zach said is that mars are the bougie uh technologically advanced and they're terraforming mars but from my knowledge they haven't terraformed yet so they're still living in domes and in ships is that is that correct yes they don't have an ocean or anything like they're trying to build up nope. there they're still in yet. yeah yes they're still kind of like to me. They're always like a, a high end mining. Like they mined Mars and they turned it into this, you know, like you said, civilization where they depended on their technology more than they depended on Earth's uh, resources, which is you know, mm-hmm. growing plants and stuff like that out of you know photosynthesis mm-hmm. or whatever. So that's kind of what Mars is. So they they develop a way in, in a much faster way because of obviously where they're at and how they you know needed to adapt which is kind of the story between all civil all three you know human races the way they adapt is kind of how they structured their lives in, and even down to the way they speak like i love the way belters speak with their their you know the, the which they got I, like almost like a creole dialect like it a, is yeah. it actually is creole yeah, yeah that is creole. a real thing that's that is what it is yeah it's really which, cool how they talk and i i loved it and i started talking like that the whole time even when i'm not watching you this show to. because mm-hmm. i just started addicting to it but amber was really getting mad at me a lot of the whole time let's, <laughs> let's hear your let's hear your uh, your belter bro i don't know what you talk about man i don't know i <laughs> and then i kept saying i kept saying like um i kept saying brother what's up brother you know and she, what's up brother what's up brother you know i like that sandwich you make brother you make me some more sandwich and so <laughs> make my sandwich toe yeah throw, throw, some, throw some mayonnaise on that brother and so she got <laughs> she got really mad at me so i had to stop but i almost turned brother. myself into a belter um Oh, that's one of my big questions at the end. Yeah, let's let's, let's, let's we'll, we'll get there. that one. We'll yeah. get there. Um, yeah. so back to the story, and so this kind of has a catalyst situation here in in season one, and that's where the um the destruction of the Canterbury, uh, happens, and that's where you start to get introduced to the main cast here, which is uh James Holden, um, 
Who's an Earther? Who's an Earther? Uh, Alex yep. Kamal, who's a pilot. Martian. 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 Yep. Um, Naomi Nagata, which it, she was a belter. belter. Um, and then you have Amos Burton, who was a Earther. 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 Um, He's a mob then, boss. Yeah. Crazy. Um, a side story about him. You kind of don't really get to know about his thug life or why he is the way he is, but you do get to find that out in the books. So if anybody wants to dig into Amos, that's where to go. Um, I know JR does. I, uh, I had issues with Amos in the beginning, so for sure. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> why? Uh, he just did not seem to want to play well with a lot of like the storyline. Like, stop killing people, dude. Like, when he... Uh, Bro, he can't. I know he's too he fucking gangster. But I he was really like, is. stop. Um, and we'll get to the point where he drove me nuts. And I think I actually said something on Slack. I'm like this motherfucker. But uh, that's why I knew. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the uh, the actors James uh, West. Uh, I think I hope I say his right. Shat uh, Shat. I can't say his last name right. Um, we'll just call him Wes. Um, he's actually a really nice dude. So Chatham. Chatham. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, seems. Uh, saw some interviews. Seems like a nice dude. Talk about his wife a lot. So. Um, and then you've got, you know, the political um, aspects, which was uh, Christian uh, Avasarala. Hopefully I said that right. And She's then, a badass. Yeah. And then, uh, which I, uh, every time I see her, I think of uh, X-Men uh, 3, where she was the doctor who helped develop the uh, the cure for the mutant gene. So a little Oh, was she? Yeah. Nice pull, dude. I thought I recognized her. I had no idea from where. Yeah, she was the, the doctor who. Uh, so okay. she's Last Stand? Yeah, she was in The Last Stand. Uh, the Forgotten X-Men movie. And uh, do, you, do you know how she dies in The Last... Do you remember how she dies in The Last Stand? No. Was it Angel? No. No, so the 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 stupid guy the um that could throw little... Like, he just kind of looks spikes out of his oh, body. Oh, the spike guy? And he just yeah. gives her a hug. <laughs> oh, that was her? I remember that. Yeah. Oh, God, that movie. Um, so I do remember her, which is... Uh, I, don't, I can't say her name. It's so- Sorin... Um, There's no uh, Shoray. Shoray. Show, show, <laughs> no N. <laughs> Ava Lagascalu. <laughs> There's no V. Good lord, bro. Shoray Agdashlu. Agdashlu. Uh, uh, well, yeah, her. And um, and then uh, let's see. So that they're kind of the main. I think what um, uh, the other political person on Earth was us. What Sadavir uh, Aaron Wright? Did I say that right? Sadavir Aaron Wright, which Aaron is the Wright was his Aaron last Wright. Name yeah. Um, and so they're kind of the the UN people. He's a little cocksucker. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where it starts. They actually take the crew, which was uh, Second Officer James Holden and Chief Engineer Naomi Gata, Mechanic uh, Amos Burton, and then the um, they actually take a guy, the Shed Garvey, and I can't remember what movie he was on, but he gets his head blown off. Dude, he's in a lot <laughs> yeah. of shit. He was in Road Trip. He was in Royal Pains. He was in uh, Joey, the, sh- the series. He was Joey's, like, fucking son, <laughs> the spinoff. Dude, he's in a lot of shit. When he died, fucking, I was so mad. Because, like, if you, okay, so I know we're going to the storyline, but the first season, the fucking cast was balling for a sci-fi show. Can we just say Thomas Jane? I, I do. Tom, I love Thomas Jane. Thomas I Jane. Was... Tom Jane's a beast. Fucking Jay Hernandez, the his partner that was yeah. in it for like a fucking blink and then he's gone. Yep. Um, who fucking else? There was a couple other people in the first season that I felt like just disappeared. But yeah, that guy, the fucking the medic. I mean, he was he was a pretty good, well known actor. 
and just gets his head taken off in like the second episode. Yeah, it was kind of sl- he was like that slimy guy trying to make excuses about all kinds of things, and he just gets. His he's head. always nervous. He's always he's always yeah, a, a talker, right. you know. But he but he did try and save the, the doctor guy's life. that clearly does drugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've, all, we've all been there. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, yeah, so you have these worlds established, and then what kind of sparks the uh, the, the storyline? What kind of sparks the plot? So so um, go ahead. Do you want to go? Oh no, go. You got it. This is your right. baby, Z. So, so uh, these guys are all just outcasts. I mean, there's there's a Belter, there's Earthers, there's Martians. They're all just kind of on this ship called the Canterbury. The Canterbury is um, just an ice hauler. That's like what it does. It's like, essentially they're doing grunt work, like slavery work, it's and they're all workership. kind of workership, yep. just yeah, doing their thing. Um, the Canterbury, they get this distress call, and they are like, "Oh, what the fuck is that?" And then James Holden is like, "Well, we should." check it out but then the captain's like nah that's we shouldn't they end up going to check it out but they don't only send a um a kind of a pilot crew from the larger crew because there's more people on this ship um and the crew they send is the people that we've been talking about so they, they go on to like a, a smaller ship and go check out the distress signal a short while they're checking out the dis- yeah 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 yep. while they're checking out the distress signal um essentially they feel like they realize it's a trap there's a martian ship with stealth technology which by the way the martians are the only ones that can use stealth technology um and they get attacked by this ship the ship sent shoots rockets at them quickly they realize that the rockets aren't actually for them and it's for the ship that they just came from those rockets land on that ship and destroy everybody else so now they're just alone in this like dead ship and then they discover this weird thing called the proto molecule but they don't know what it is yeah they actually don't give a a name till later like much later um yeah yeah um so then they i'm gonna gonna try to speed through this because we're we're on season one and we have four more seasons to go Yeah, yeah so then then they um are like all right well who the fuck uh destroyed the canterbury this is a big deal um mars comes after them and uh, Mars is, uh, they think that Mars is going to kill them at this point, And they're just there to clean up the what they haven't already killed. Well, they so thought in that Mars moment, was the one that destroyed it, right? Yeah. It yes, because of, yeah, the, they thought Mars, because of the ship. Because it was a Martian ship. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. Anubis. So, yeah. So then uh, while they're about to get wrecked by this Martian ship that they have no fucking business going up against whatsoever, James Holden takes a, a vid of him saying, like, hey, this is... Uh, James Holden and our, the Canterbury just got destroyed by Mars. This might be an act of war, blah, blah, blah. And then just like puts it all out on the internet or whatever they call it at that time in the future. And essentially he becomes famous from that. So he gets like retweeted and everybody's looking at this and everybody's like, oh shit, is Mars about to go to war with Earth? Like, what does this mean? Um, ultimately they get captured by Mars. Um, interrogated. They realize that, in, yeah, interrogated. Over time they realize that the Martians actually... W- were not behind the attack um and then they and then the martian ship gets attacked by the attack the ship that originally attacked the canterbury yep the anubis so and the martian ship is like now nah, we're good like we're gonna we're gonna fuck these guys up nobody can fuck with mars well lol they ended up getting wrecked and the team barely escaped with their life and when they escaped they escaped with the fucking rosinante which was a Martian warship that they flew out of this like giant Martian barge while it was exploding and shit. Like bunch of Martians died to like save them in the process. 
And it was fucking epic. Including the medic, who we were just talking about. He got murked. Well, he got yeah. blown up. Yeah, and the, the ship at that yeah. time was called the Tech... Tech... tech Texi or Tetsi, it's T E C I eight, right? And so they actually renamed it the Rasanante. Um, yeah, they had to yeah. change the name so nobody would know who they were yeah. or where they and came from. Which mm-hmm. is a, a really cool thing because throughout the show they kind of disguise it in different ways. That ship, you know, to hide it that it actually mm-hmm. is a Martian. Well, how they how they label it and print it, like it's cool. They put shine like a light over it and it just like puts like repaints the logo and shit. Like the technology yeah. is fucking cool, bro. It's the future. Yeah. yeah. But I thought that moment was tight because as soon as that scene happened when they rebranded it the Rossinante, I I remember just sitting back and being like, oh, I'm going to love this ship. Because I feel like (laughs) the thing about Star Wars is that, like, you get kind of introduced to the Millennium Falcon. But, like, by the time you meet the Millennium Falcon, the Millennium Falcon's already the Millennium Falcon. So, like, the characters, like, Han Solo and Chewie are already like, this is the dopest ship. Like, I love this fucking ship. So we as an audience don't get the moment (laughs) where, like... Do you know what I mean though? Like we yeah. as an audience don't get the moment when we're like, oh man, the Ross and Nanti. And I know I felt like as I continued watching it, the Rossi like became almost a character itself. And and it, like how especially when Alex interacts with the Rossi, yeah. He'll he'll call her like my girl, like, oh my girl. You know what I mean? Like I just feel like it's Easy, just baby. part of the we're story. Go in nice yeah. And slow. Yeah. 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 And yeah. the way that I fucking that thing love Alex, fucking... by the way battles dude like that was one thing i really enjoyed about that is like a lot of these fucking space shows or space movies star trek you see all the battle scenes with space it's just lasers going back and forth and explosions but the rossi had like a barrel roll with rail guns and like it was almost like fucking space invaders like you're like avoiding shit like <laughs> like taking shit out like yeah. it was so much more fluid and like it seemed realistic i know it's space wars but it seemed fucking cool and i love the rossi for that because that introduced me to well, a whole new type of space battle I, I feel like one of the like major strengths of this show is how hard they work to stay as true to physics as humanly possible yeah. in this like crazy sci-fi world. And one of the things is a, in a space battle. So in a space battle, first of all, what the fuck is shooting a laser? Like actually, what is that? How is that going to do any damage? It's It's scientifically unfounded to imagine that. But bullets still would work in space for sure. But what would happen if a, if a ship gets hit by a bullet? It wouldn't just instantly explode. That bullet would just go through the ship. So when that when the doctor dies, he dies sitting in a room, like talking to the crew or whatever. And then the, the ship's under attack and a slug just, just goes straight through the ship and takes his freaking head off. Yeah. That's very realistic. And then the very next thing that you have to worry about as the crew in the room is sealing the room. Because as soon as that hole happens in the wall, you're starting to lose oxygen through the vacuum of space. So the first thing they do before they even realize that this dude is like dead is they're like, fuck, we got to seal these holes. Which I feel like is is true to physics and and makes this show unique and cool. Because, like, I mean, that's just one example in battle. But they, they do that throughout the entire of show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's actually um, the, the Ross and I, there's actually a nod to a, a Rush song, which is uh, pretty dope. Um, obviously, with the drummer dying, you know, uh, I think he died R. like Neil yep, dies at the beginning of February. Um, and it's it's actually the 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 whole song talks about space, and it's really cool that um, that that's in there because it's like giving you know a nod to 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 cla- it's giving a nod to this music, which is great, Rush, but it's also like so futuristic that you would think that some of these names are like made up for the book, but they're actually just nod to, to stuff like that. And that Rush song is is part of that too. The other thing that um 
that I love about what Zach said about how we got to see like the birth of the ship is a, a lot of things that I thought about this show kind of um, reminded me of the crew of the Star Trek, you know, season, season mm-hmm. the first, uh, because of how well that was put together. Star Wars was more about, um, at least after the first, you know, the back in the 70s stuff, it was more about the story and not about the crew. You know, it, it was either more about one person. Yeah. about Luke. Yeah. yeah, and so this this is this was kind of fitting for more Star Trek, and I'm more of a Star Trek person, and so because it was about the crew and how they managed to work things out together with the different races, right? Just like you know Star Trek did, and you you're right, you didn't get to see the Enterprise being born like the way do the Rosinante because you know obviously they already established a little bit you know at that time, but that's a great point to you know seeing the beginning and why that ship's so important throughout the whole show actually. Yeah, no, I got a yeah. huge Star Trek vibe, and I, and I love that you you get the, you need, like when that ship and they get on, they take off. It's like okay, this is the crew, this is the story right here. What are they mm-hmm. gonna fucking come across? And right. it, yeah. it, it, did you guys see that the fucking uh, United States created a space force in the Air Force military? Yeah, <laughs> we are alive at a time where we have a fucking Star Trek space force. You guys, like, I dig it. Who's enlisting? Who's who's with me? Like, let's let's go fucking. Charter the un- would you, unchartered. Would you go to Mars if you knew that you couldn't come back? No. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> no. You wouldn't either? No, I like... Oh, come, bro, you're not going to advance... Hum- think about it. Here's here's the proposition. Well, what's the... Okay, yeah, what's the point? I mean, if let I me give you Let me give you the purpose. proposition. So, there is water on Mars. It's frozen, but it's there. And we think we have the technology to not only, A, get you to Mars but get you set up to where you could literally live on Mars. Now, the bigger picture here is that humans need this because Earth is not going to last forever and we need a new place to go if our species is going to survive. The catch is, is that we don't have the technology to get you back once you get there. Okay. If it was my, like, forte and that was my field... And I like I was necessary to make the movement of mankind. No, dude, proceed. I'm saying you, Jordan Aerith, like you, literally you. I, I would have zero humor. impact up there. I would, I would know what I was doing. <laughs> I'm just gonna make fuck. I'm gonna get drunk in a ship and like fucking <laughs> gonna, say he's jokes. Gonna be that guy. <laughs> I'll be the morale, I guess. But I'll have no exactly. scientific impact at all. It just reminds um, me but, of a joke that some. Uh, what's the uh, the actor? Um, Kamal or Kamil, Kabi, uh, the guy that uh, Kamal, yeah, where he talked Najani. about, yeah, and he talked about how he wouldn't even be one of the heroes. He'd be the guy who died or told you about the hero. Like he, that's that's Jordan. He wouldn't even get. <laughs> yeah. He'd be like the guy who died before the the action even started. Like he'd die in space. I'd be the would... fucking medic. I would have a medical degree. Like you'd ac- you'd accidentally slip in space yourself. Yeah, yeah I'd like, be a bartender no that gravity, got too drunk and stumbled and down the wrong fucking yeah. space hall. <laughs> you'd accidentally just like. <laughs> All right, so that's a hard no from both of you. Nah, right? Yeah, I, I couldn't go. No, no, I... no heroes on on Hop Heroes. Huh? No, I would I, save the name. world. I just would be. It would be uh, it, not the way you would think. Yeah. But you wouldn't save humanity. It'd be really hard. I I wouldn't be able to get uh, statues, comic book statues out there, and I'd be really the you know depressed <laughs> if i was studying my entire life i would go up there because i know i'd have an impact but right now and with my current knowledge i would be a waste of a person to send to mars like i feel like there's limited space on this ship and i don't know if my my skill set is one of the necessities they have for that yeah all right that crew 
Interesting. Um, let's. Uh, okay, let's... I want to say one more thing Zach, about the Zach, Rossi. So man. Zach's gonna go. I'm not gonna ask him the question because he 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 would want to go and he'd be the fucking captain of the ship and he would save the world. Is what I'm assuming. <laughs> you think so? Really? I don't. I actually don't think that was gonna be my answer. But sure, like we'll go with that. <laughs> um, the Rossi becomes important because the Rossi becomes their home, mm-hmm. and I think that that's another difference between a lot of um, other popular sci-fis that we've seen in the past is that the falcon is a ship the enterprise eh, it's kind of their home too but our 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 crew here in in the expanse they didn't have a home to begin with they're all kind of Mm -hmm. outcasts and then their home got destroyed and then they found a new one in the rossi and which makes these this crew very much like a family like they grow super close together and I just feel like that's significant in as a viewer because whenever they're in a battle, I'm almost as afraid of anything happening to the Rossi as I am of anything happening to them. Like I'm like, bro, like stop shooting at the Rossi. The fuck? Like it matters to me. You're connected to um, this shit, dude. I love the Rossi. Way more intimately than I thought you. Were. I love. That's it. a good okay. point. That's a good point. Hello, Hopheads. It's your friendly host, Jordan, checking in once again. Uh, sorry to interrupt JR's uh, fascination with Tom Jane and Zach's fascination with the Rossi. Um, but we had to bring you a very special sponsor. This episode of Hop Heroes is brought to you by Butte Brand. Uh, Butte Brand is a locally owned headwear company in Washington, started by a good friend of mine, Britton Ransford. And here is a mission statement from their company. Butte Brand's journey began during the summer of 2016 in their hometown of Lake Chelan, Washington, a small, active community nestled in scenic north-central Washington. The goal was to create a culture that intersected their passion for adventure and motivation to build something that gives back. After months of brainstorming, the result was a sketch of the iconic Chelan Butte, carefully etched on a patch and sewn on a hat. And so, Butte Brand, a purpose-driven headwear company, was born. Butte correctly pronounced Butte, means an isolated hill that rises abruptly, a definition that mirrors their core values of rising up together to make an impact in areas they're passionate about, no matter the size. Paired with a commitment to providing exceptional gear for the modern-day explorer, they have made it their mission to inspire a global movement of giving back through the Butte Brand Project, a program dedicated to raising awareness for environmental, societal, and community issues, and projects that align with their core values, including conservation, sustainability, promoting adventure, and more. Our past partnerships include Lake Chelan Trails Alliance, Chelan Douglas Land Trust, Coastal Conservation Association, Helinski's Hope, and several others. Currently, Butte Brand is partnered with Waterboys, a Chris Long Foundation initiative whose mission is to provide clean, accessible drinking water to communities in need. Thus far, behind an all-star group of past and current NFL and NBA players, Waterboys has provided clean drinking water to over 300,000 people and has set a goal to provide 1 million people with access to clean drinking water worldwide. Holy fucking shit. That's awesome. But they're not done. And that's where the Butte Brand community is stepping in. Through their partnership, every four Butte Brand hats, beanies, and or apparel items sold, Butte Brand is able to provide one person with clean, accessible drinking water for life. For more information or to support Butte Brand and Waterboys directly, visit ButteBrand.com. That is B-U-T-T-E-B-R-A-N-D.com. So if that entire mission statement doesn't give you chills, then you have no pulse. And what are you doing on this planet uh no but such a cool fucking project that Britain and his his team have put together and please go out and support and i guarantee if you check out the website you're gonna walk away purchasing gear because it is stylish 
but that is what our sponsor is today. Thank you so much, Butte, and thank you guys for listening. Here's back to the episode. Let's talk about um, let's talk about Thomas Jane's character Miller because I, that plays an important part in season one. And there was a time where I thought that season one was almost like a like a crime mystery because of Thomas Jane's character Miller. Um, yeah. Because then they start yeah. talking about uh, Julie Mao and her disappearance, and um, which is uh, spoiler: Julie Mao is uh, Lionel Polensky. Um, and he starts to follow that trail trail. And I do feel like, um, that is a very great tone to that, uh, sci-fi. I was super excited for that because I'm like, whoa, there's like a, like a noir kind of mystery going on here in space. And, yeah. um, that really got me amped up about that. So yeah, hundred yeah. percent. There's one thing that season one really did for me that tickled my fancy. And it was, they, they set this world, this claustrophobic belt or world like the hair, there was earth and there was Mars, but the focus was really on the belt. And, 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 uh, there was Holden in the Canterbury team and there was Miller and the belt team or the belt civilization. And it made you fuck. It reminded me of when we were reading low and low is the comic we read a few episodes back where they live underwater and, it, and, and you take for granted everything that you have out here on earth mm. with the fresh air and like the sky and the moon and, and the belters are always like jealous and envious of that and miller lives in this world and miller's just fucking alcoholic detective tom jane kills it and his yeah it, it creates this suspenseful like mystery noir detective sh- like plot in this claustrophobic brutal world and it was not what I was expecting from a sci-fi show at all. Like season mm-hmm. season one is has so many different layers that I was I was really impressed with that. Yeah. Yeah. So Holden, wait, no, 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 that's not Miller. Joe Miller. Joe Miller's yeah. a detective. So Miller gets uh, he he works for like the Belter Police Force or some shit. It's not legit, but it it is the law enforcement. He gets um put onto a job which is to find Julie Mao because her father is like the most rich the richest guy in the system or whatever whatever so his whole kind of arc is him running up clues like like getting people in the streets and shaking them down and trying to trying to figure out where this julie mal character is um and that's that's kind of like that noir detective aspect of things yeah and he kind of um the the name of the Basically, the police force out there is called the Star Helix Security on Ceres mm, Station. Yeah. And um, the tycoon is Ju- uh, Jules Pierre Mao. And the really mm-hmm. the interesting thing about me, about Miller, for me, was his dedication to this. For some reason, Julie Mao really sunk into him. And he really started to get like obsessed almost about about her. I kind of think he fe- he falls in love with he, her. I, I think you're correct. Because... Um, which is super weird because he doesn't even meet her. All he has is pictures. Yeah. But over time, he just gets more and more obsessed with her. Yeah, and I I think he starts to realize what her cause is and what she stands for. And instead of being um, where everybody thinks she was just a spoiled brat, but she really had a cause to her her life. Um, and later on, obviously, you kind of see the admiration from her dad about that. Um, but uh. This is where where Miller starts to discover an underplot, right? This is where he finally gets deep. I mean, um, the OPA is is kind of a corrupt, almost syndicate to me at times in season one, 
and this is where uh, Anderson Dawes come in. This is where uh, Jay Hernandez kind of comes in and goes. Because um, he... Mert. Gets stabbed. Yeah, I was sad. I was so sad about right, right away, though. I was like, what the f*** is going on with Jay Hernandez? Like, that was quick. But he survives. Like, he what, does survive. I don't get why he doesn't come back. Like, that never makes they sense live, to me. They leave series. That's why he doesn't come back. Miller like, leaves series. Handsome actor. And he's trash, bro. <laughs> I love him on Bright. Face, bro. He gets he gets like he gets like harpooned on a wall. He does. He got fucking crushed. Okay, so that was when I was like, dude, this show is fucking dope because it made me like Game of Thrones. Like he was, I thought he was like a lead, and he was portrayed to be a lead, and all of a sudden he gets fucking pinned to a wall with a pipe through his chest, and it's like, oh fuck, anybody can go like that. This is yeah. this shit's real, and then he's just gone from the show, which really yeah. pissed me off. Which is um, which is very funny because we Amber and I were watching Bright again, which is that Netflix movie with uh, Will Smith. And mm. uh, he's in there, mm-hmm. and he dies again. Like he's well, I, I just feel like he should have died though. Like if you're not gonna bring him back, like at least kill him off so it's kind of cool, you know? Like why yeah. let him survive and then let him leave? Like that's just like it's a Disney out. I feel like it is a sci-fi out though. Sci-fi yeah. is a little different, like that. Um, They're like maybe we'll bring him back. You never know. Yeah, I you mean, never know. Fucking look at Miller. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I will tell. So this is where, like I was saying, there was kind of this underlying. Um, conspiracy going on with the OPA and that's where Anderson Dolls comes in and that's where uh, Fred Johnson comes in and this is where uh, Miller starts Fred Johnson to... was the other big actor I was trying to think of by the way yeah. he's in a lot of shit too he's in The Wire and mm-hmm. Sunny The Walking Dead Walking yep. Dead yeah. yep and so this is where Miller starts to see the kind of the backlash of how why he's di- of him digging so deep into a point where even his his boss starts to turn on him in fact does and fires him and takes all of his information that he gathered about julie mal and kind of sends him off into a spinoff of like yeah obsessive about her yeah so we need so we should talk about anderson dawes because anderson dawes is a, is a is a big player in this in this world he is so fred johnson is um i guess if you had to say there was a leader of the opa you'd probably say him Although that's like an inaccurate statement because the OPA is actually just a bunch of different leaders together. There are a bunch of different factions that all have their different values and beliefs and everything like that. Fred Johnson just happens to have the biggest stick at the moment. Like he he has the most people backing him. And his secondary person or the, the next person behind Fred Johnson is this dude named Anderson Dawes who has a bunch of people that would kill for him and fight for him. He's basically a gang leader. Um, of the belt and as is Fred Johnson in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but he represents like the other half of the belt. Um, he's less refined so that as, matters. as Fred Johnson. Anderson yeah. Dawes. So Fred Johnson's a lot more political. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's, uh, he, he thinks about the game as, as okay, we have earth. We don't necessarily want to kill earth. We don't necessarily want to kill Mars, but we want to, he's more peaceful than, than right. Anderson Dawes. Anderson Dawes is more just like, a wild card. Fuck everybody. Like it's belted nothing. Like you know, he yeah. he's he's a lot more violent and he's a lot more. He re, he almost strikes me as like a mafia boss or something. Like he he'll he'll do the dirty shit if it if he feels like he needs to. Yeah. Whereas Fred Johnson would probably send somebody to do the dirty shit. You know what I mean? But Fred has a dark past. Like from what they, the way they talk about him, like they he do. used to yep. be that way, yep. and then he's kind of like he's, he's changed evolved. or he's he's yeah he's found a a, a better path. Yeah. But yeah, Anderson yeah. Dawes is like down in the gutters, like whatever the fuck it takes. And he's, yeah, I can't remember his name, but he's from uh, Chernobyl. He's a he's a pretty big actor too. Anderson Dawes, yeah, yeah, he was on Sherlock, the second movie. Um, yeah, yeah, 
He did a good job. I did I did love the way he uh had his uh belter accent too. That was pretty I was like, what the f like come on. Yeah, Anderson yeah. Dawes is a badass. He's a yeah. savage. So so um Miller discovers that Julie works for the OPA. And basically what we what we realize is that Julie found out about what she refers to as the bioweapon and she works for Anderson Dawes. So she told Anderson Dawes, hey, I think there's this bioweapon. It could mean like the destruction of humanity. It's a big deal. And so Anderson Dawes sent Julie Mao and a crew to board the Anubis and basically figure out what's going on with it and then tell him more about it. Because there's this underlying theme and it's that this bioweapon, whoever can control it first, basically wins. I mean, there's this civil war between all three of the factions and nobody really has a leg up on anybody else. I mean, the belt is probably in the bottom place, but Earth and Mars are almost at this Cold War state constantly. And so if one of them got into the, the bioweapon, then they would, they would win. So he sends Julie Mao, and, and this is Miller just kind of on the trail and, try, and trying to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Julie Mao was on that ship that sent the distress signal that the Canterbury was investigating. She was the one that sent the distress signal, right? Yes. So that's kind of yes. how the, the story's yeah. kind of intertwined. And it starts to, to weave closer and closer together about this bioweapon and Julie Mao and her connections to uh the united nations and her connections to you know um to mars and kind of the chase i guess you can say about the bioweapon or the proto molecule as, as we know it now um but at, the, at this point this is where uh miller like i said got fired and he heads to the what's it the asteroid called euros arrows 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 and um this is where miller and the crew of the Rossi, the Rossi start to to merge together, um, and kind of like yeah, Miller saves them in a gunfight. Yeah, shows up and just murks. Uh, I can't believe how much it just totally reminded me of the Punisher when he comes in there and starts whacking people. <laughs> um, yeah. and I totally love. Absolutely. I actually I got to I, I didn't really get to meet Thomas Jane. I got to be around Thomas Jane at a, a Comic Con, and he's actually kind of a big dude. He's not he's not tiny. Um, and. That's just my little input. How's his butt? Um, I didn't get to see it, but he had a great leather jacket on. And across from him was Lou Ferrigno shaking people's hands and uh, signing Hulk pictures. So that was a great comic Hulk and Punisher back to back. That's I a, know, right? It's an intense crowd. Um, but on the on Eros, this is where the shit really gets. Shit goes down yeah, on Eros. Yeah, a big time together. And, you know, he the reason that he goes over there is he finds out that Julie boarded a um, – Basically, the station Anubis 1A or whatever you want to call it uh, ship and landed and it was building up fees. And this is why he thought or this is how he tracked down Julie Mao or Lionel Polinsky um, because the the Rossi crew, Holden and all them were looking at looking for Lionel Polinsky because of uh, Fred Johnson. And uh, Miller was looking after Julie Mao, n not realizing that they're the actual the same person. Um, and that's where. I guess the conspiracy really, really takes a um, a twist, and you kind of see the evil in, I guess, the human race, right? Um, because this is where they find her, and she's what? She's totally murdered by the Puma. Yeah, <clears throat> she's been she's been o completely overtaken by this bioweapon. And let me say, this set for that they shot this scene in when they finally discovered Julie Mao is fucking gruesome. 
like there's a couple scenes in this when i'm just like wow dude like i've never seen anything like that and julie mao when she's in the shower and she's got that thing that like thing coming out of her mouth and it's like just covering her whole body yeah. man it looks gnarly yeah yeah god and all the blue so it's just beautiful yeah yeah, it's crazy. Um, so then we we find out Julie Mao's story. Basically, she got intercepted uh, by the Anubis. They tried to seize the bioweapon. She was taken prisoner. She sent this escape um, signal out in hopes of getting the Canterbury's attention. The Canterbury was attacked by the Anubis. She fled the Anubis to Eros, but she was, I guess, uh, contaminated by the bioweapon in Eros. And she kind of just, like, tried to tried to stick it out in her room and that's when the bioweapon like took her took her completely over yeah um but, so this yeah, yeah this is kind of a i think we, we should probably we can probably pick it up a little bit one of the biggest things about this is the connectivity between earth the belters and um and mars and how julie connected all three that's, and, yeah, that's the whole show. I mean, it's essentially Game of Thrones in space. It's all yeah. politics. It's all exactly politics. The way that happened was is Julie Mao's dad, uh, Pierre, what did I say his name was? Uh, Jules Pierre or whatever. Um, Pierre. And and uh, Aaron Wright, they had this big plot to, to sell this bioweapon. And they actually tested it on Eros, right? And so this is where the Belters were kind of left out of the scenario other than Julie Mao being a part of the OPA. And mm -hmm. this is where that big time conspiracy comes in with the UN and the back, you know, the actually the crimes they were creating, uh, uh, committing against humanity. Who's going to buy the bioweapon Mars or earth? Who's going to benefit from this? And that's where Julie Mao's father came into and started trying to sell that stuff. Yeah. And the thing, too, is that he wanted to start the war. Like, he, he was purposefully trying to start the war between Mars and Earth so he could sell to both sides. Yeah. Like, that was that was his whole yeah. his whole shtick, which is so stupid if you think about it. Because if Mars and Earth d decided to attack each other with a proto-molecule, where the fuck is he going to take all that money? Like, that's a wrap, bro. Like, that money becomes not valuable at all. Like, I just feel like that is the dumbest move a villain has ever right. had. Like that's stupid. Yeah, and and so the yeah, end of die in his fucking wealth. Like yeah, Scrooge McDuck. It's kind of a little bit reminds me of stupid. Tony Stark and selling the weapons and how at one time he he benefited from you know selling all that stuff. So he's trying to do. The I same was waiting. Thing. I was waiting for Tony Stark to come up because the creators of the show. How did you know Tony Stark was going to come up? I, don't I just know. knew it would. Mark Fergus and Hawk Osby, which is probably the coolest I ever heard. Hawk Osby uh, are creators of the show, and they also wrote Iron Man. Uh, and I, ding, ding, ding. I feel like I just I just like when I saw that like the style and the I don't know I, I got a lot of the similarities especially with season one and yeah. Iron Man one that makes they wrote sense. Iron Man one that's it yeah um and so interesting season one ends with the proto molecule coming to life um and showing kind of its sentient that it's kind of a sentient being that it was part of something more than it's not just some kind of virus. As we kind of dude, it was gruesome when you first see it. It's like like sucking people in and like yeah. screaming and it's like absorbing them and yeah. like it, I was like, what the fuck is this show? Like that's when I got in. Like I got in a couple different times, but yeah, the horror side of it drug yep. me in. Yeah, yeah, and so and it start and it hints at um just the the absolute shit show that becomes Eros. Oh yeah. god, in the next in oh, the next god. season. Yeah. yeah, 
Um, but yeah, that's so. That's let me. One. Let, so let me ask you guys this: that we're we're now basically at the end of season one. A couple questions: How did you feel by the end of season one? Were you into it? It sounds like Jordan, you were. I don't know if you were or not, Jr. Like, were you sold, or were you still thinking, "Oh, I, I, I'm not sure about the show." And then B, are you an Earther, a Martian, or a Belter? Um, I'll go first. Uh, I was definitely into the show. Um, I felt uh, every character from every spot. Like I, I was like falling in love with every single character. Like not just one. Like you, you either are gonna like you've had that emotion towards them. And it, I think for me, throughout the rest of the show, it just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, and so. Uh, I definitely liked it right off the bat. One, because I uh, like you think the show gets worse and worse. From, so no, you think season one is the no, best no, one? No, no, no. I felt like the like my the fact that it's impact to me gets worse. Like it's almost like when I watched the um uh, uh when I had it like there's a couple shows that I used to that Amber and I watched and we just had to take a break from it, you know, because you're just getting emotionally involved. Um, and I felt like the expanse was starting to do that too. So I've, I worse than like it's affecting me more, not that the show gets worse. Mm. It's the, you start to get mm. affected by the characters as this show goes on, as each season goes on. And I could see why it developed a cult. Like I could see why people were like fighting for this show. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously my favorite character at, at that time was um, Thomas Jane. I mean, he was such a dynamic character from the beginning to the end of that season that it was uh, pretty, pretty huge. Um, for me, I've actually thought this question because I knew Zach was going to ask it. It's such a, uh, a Zach question of, you know, what are we? <laughs> um, and uh, I have to say that I'm, man, like I'm probably would be a belter. Um, I would be a belter. I would love to be a earther because I'd love to be either Holden because he's such a, a dynamic, he's such a great like champion. But I, I have a. F- oh man, I got a hot take. But I, Holden's I, a bitch, bro. I have a feel. I hate Holden, I dude. Can't stand Holden. I love Holden because I fucking hate Holden, Jordan. I'm so happy that you said that. <laughs> uh, oh, I love oh him. He reminds God. me of, of of Captain Kirk a lot. So in fact, his name is Jim, and they call Fuck him Jim. No, he's got. Yeah. He's about to cry okay. in every scene with his eyes. He's like, so he's so passionate. Um, oh, and plus, uh, Stephen Strait is hilarious. Jordan, what do you want? First, you complain about characters that aren't vulnerable and now you're mad about characters that are too vulnerable i like characters that are vulnerable but they're also good actors that's what <laughs> i like what's wrong with steven Strait? did you not love him in the <laughs> i think, so I think he's a fucking bad actor man i think that there's a couple in this show and, and we'll we'll get into that but okay um but i would say i'm more man, of a I'm belter so interested i'm I, I feel like the grit of a belter the the violence of a belter i felt like i connected more with that than the earthers who were more they were more tippy-toey in the scenarios than the belters and, Mar- okay. Okay. Yeah. and Martians Word. were just assholes at times. Yeah, I I think that I I thought the first season was uh, awesome. I really I really was really bought in, and uh, I think that if I were to pick what I would want to be, I think I'd say Belter or Martian. But I feel like if I was to choose who I really was, I'd probably say Earther. I'm just more passive than any of the other two. I feel like you have to have a lot of uh, grit and fight in you to be a belter and you have to have a lot of like just like fellowship and structure and just like whatever do what you're told military-esque to be a Martian and that's just neither of those are my style I'd rather just crack a few and read a book or write a book and that's I feel like what Arthur would do so that's me word word I, res- I respect your honesty what about you Z? 
I feel like I'm a I feel like I'm a belter. I think I feel like I'm a belter because I think that um I don't I mean it's hard to say, right? I mean I think that if we all were as honest as you, we'd probably say earthers because like that's we're, like that's just the most accurate thing. But because <laughs> we, we live on I, I think <laughs> I I think that um throughout the story I'm most drawn to the story of the belt and I'm most drawn to the story of the belters. And um, I love the fact that they're Creole because my family is Creole. And I feel like that's just so cool to be able to hear a Creole like dialect like that. Yeah. And, you know, th- going along with the show's motto, they, they try to keep it as as authentic as possible, which I feel like is really cool. I also think that like the difference between uh, um, a shorter and stout belter and a long bone is, is really interesting. And um, I fucking love Naomi Nagata. She is like, I feel like Naomi Nagata, and this is my biggest beef with with Holden, and we're we're gonna get into it right now. He should not be the leader. How is he the leader of the Rossi? Think about the very first episode when that group got together, bro. Naomi had Amos ready to break a neck on her command, and he's and she still does. Like, what does Holden bring to the table that says, that's my captain, as opposed to the smartest fucking most badass, dope-ass chick on the ship, who, by the way, has a goddamn Terminator behind her, who's ready to freaking go to bat at any moment in time? Like, explain that to me. I'll answer that. Her own insecurity. She doesn't even know what she wants, bro. She she was going back and forth between teams. She was undecisive. Her background was kind of sketchy. Nobody really knew who she was. Holden was banging her, and he even admitted, I don't even know who you are. She's just, like, indecisive and doesn't really know where she stands. So, like, yeah. I feel like if they were to follow her, they would just be going in circles. And Holden at least has a code, which I fucking hate the guy, but he has a code. And he they, does. He has a champion code. He has to, to do the right thing at Bruh. all times. That's why I like Holden. It was about – he was Holden such a classical comic book, like, right there. Let, let me let, yeah, let me like remind Superman, you guys of this one thing, like, which is trash. <laughs> but let me remind you guys about this one thing. In like episode three, right after they they they're not on the Rossi yet, and they find out that that the ship that shot uh, the Canterbury is in their general vicinity. Holden wanted to go after that ship in their bodunk garbage ass pickup truck of a ship, and try to fight them, and Naomi stepped in and said fuck you we're not doing that and then amos stepped in beside her and was like yo fucking queen speaks you listen like that <laughs> shit and then and then they didn't go and that they stopped that so i feel like to say that she doesn't know what she wants she doesn't make those types of calls like that's just not true she does no and I, when it push comes to shove everybody listens to naomi I, like not just james holden everyone i think she's the smartest of them all i think they all know that I just think that as, she doesn't know who, herself very much because she, she she went behind everybody's back and gave the proto molecule to fucking Ted Johnson or Fred Johnson in the was that season, season two s- uh, end of season two yeah yeah like she's she yeah. is I don't think that she is as transparent as she portrays herself to be and I feel like that comes comes across she's not so I feel like that's hard to be a leader and be kind of sketch like holding you you get what you, you get what you see which is not a very appealing to me but he also is. He he's weird, man. He's like bipolar. He's like super soft and super considerate, but then he's all super super angry, super fucking stubborn, and I don't know. He's a he's he's my least he's my least favorite character out of the group, and I I just feel like Naomi should should be. I agree. She, she should be the leader. I think that like, I I hear your guys' points, but I 
I'm, I'll die on this hill. I feel like it should be Captain Naomi Nagata, and everybody else should fall in line because I feel like she's the best to lead. I also feel like Amos is badass as fucking Amos shit. is the best character Amos, in the show. Dude. So I love... Is he your favorite? He's my favorite for <laughs> sure, dude. He's the best. Oh, man. He's yeah. the most unique, fucking believable character. And he's just fucking like... He's just like, yeah, this is the way it is. And if you they, say something wrong, I'm going to fucking kill you. They definitely picked the, the best actor to portray him. Because he's got dude, crazy that eyes. Guy's perfect. perfect. He's got perfect crazy cat. eyes the whole time. Yeah. He's got those crazy serial killer eyes the whole time. And you're like, dude, yeah. don't mess with that guy. Like And and the and the best part too is like when the only reason you ever find out like why he's such a killer is just like, yeah, I'm from Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, the I, that makes really sense. Yeah. It's like <laughs> And that's where we will cap this episode. Uh, the remaining conversation was just us debating about certain castings and debating whether or not to go on to the remaining three seasons. So we decided to cap it there. Uh, overall, you can tell we really enjoyed the first season, all three of us. It was um, a pleasant surprise for me. You know, I never know what to think with sci-fi series, but this one uh, definitely takes the cake. And uh, we're very excited to talk about the remaining three seasons. So the timeline on those isn't going to be um, linear. It's going to be kind of intertwined with the upcoming shows that we do have so it's not going to be our next episode the next episode we're actually doing a uh deep dive into the comic book story lock and key which has recently uh come on netflix as a series so we're going to do the, di the dive into the comic book story and then do a reaction to the netflix series so if you want to read that and then watch uh you can follow along with us but other than that, that's our uh, our recap on the first season of The Expanse. We really highly recommend you go check it out. If you're into sci-fi, if you're into action, if you're into mystery, uh, if you're into the the paranormal even. Um, it's a really cool show, and I think you'll all enjoy it. Uh, but mostly, you know, thank you. Shout out to Brute, Brute Brand. Thank you guys so much for the, the sponsorship, and thank you guys uh, for listening. Shout out to Action City, as always. And we will catch you guys next week. Oh, 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 oh,